Welcome back to another episode of Vicarious Resilience, where you can learn specific skills to help you face difficult struggles or just daily life. I'm your host, Danette Honish, and I'm a registered clinical counselor. Vicarious Resilience is about learning the skills that have worked for others and trying to use them for ourselves. It's also about sharing what works for us so we can help others. Each individual doesn't need to figure these skills out for themselves. Let's add to each other's toolbox. In today's episode, we're going to talk about positive psychology. Dr. Martin Seligman, one of the founding members of positive psychology, wrote a book called Learned Optimism in 1991. So this isn't really new information, but it is good information to know. Many years earlier, Dr. Seligman discovered that when people feel that they cannot affect their environment, they develop what he calls learned helplessness. The idea behind it is when people feel that it doesn't matter what they do, they can't be successful, then they stop trying. In his 1991 book, Learned Optimism, Seligman takes his own idea of learned helplessness and flips it on its head. He figured that if you can learn to be helpless, you can also learn to be optimistic. There's a lot of current information that shows that when someone is an optimist, it positively affects their health, even if they have precursors to have negative health experiences. When Seligman looked at the difference between an optimist and a pessimist, he saw that there was an attribution style that was different in each of them. When discussing an adverse situation, the pessimist has statements like, I'll never get this. I'm stupid. It's always my fault. Their beliefs are permanent, they're pervasive, and they're personal. They're permanent because they believe that it doesn't matter what they do, it will, hap- it will be happening forever. It's pervasive because they believe that it's an internal trait. It's just part of who they are. And it's personal because they believe that it's all their fault and that other factors don't play into it. The optimist, however, believes that situations are not permanent, that things can change, that situations change, and people's abilities can change over time. The optimist doesn't see an adverse situation as a trait of theirs. They see the other factors that play into it, so it isn't personal. People who believe themselves stupid rather than uneducated don't take action to improve their mind. If someone has the mindset that they can change, they will, because seeing the ability to change is a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you believe you cannot change, then you won't. Today, I'd like to go over four exercises in positive psychology that can help you focus on having a positive mindset. Evidence-based and closely tied to resilience, positive psychology focuses on the positive sides of the human experience. It focuses on gratitude and playing to your strengths. It is optimistic and it's future-mindedness. Positive psychology helps people move from unwell to well, and it helps them move from well to thriving. Positive psychology uses positive interventions that are done with intention. 
The first of our four exercises we're going to learn today is called the Three Blessings Exercise. To make this exercise truly successful, you should practice it for at least a month. So if you focus on at least Monday to Friday, then by the end of the month, you'll have created a positive habit that will help you see the world in a positive light. So the Three Blessings Exercise goes like this. You choose three good things that happened to you that day. Sounds pretty simple, right? This can be done as a great journaling exercise. When you think of the three good things that happened to you that day, you should also think about why they happened. Our brains are wired with a negativity bias that can ignore the positive things that happen in a day and focus on the things that may cause us difficulty. We end up overvaluing the negative things that can happen to us. We need to choose to put our mental energy into reviewing the positives. This activity can keep negative thoughts in check and balance out our mindset to be more realistic. We spend time thinking about why the positive things happen because then we're more likely to replicate them. It'll help us take ownership of the positive role we played in our own experience and so we can see ourselves more in the driver's seat of our own lives. Identifying the why positive things have happened in our day also helps us plan it into future days. The second positive psychology exercise that I'd like to go over today has to do with identifying your character strengths and then playing to them. There are 24 character strengths that have been inventoried and they're common strengths that are found throughout every culture throughout the world. The exercise is to identify one of your character strengths and use it every day for a week in a new way. So for example, if your top strength is love, the question is, how can you apply this strength in a new way that you're not currently applying it? If you currently express love to your partner, to your kids, to yourself, by keeping a nice house, by putting food on the table, by making sure that you tell your family members that you love them and maybe you, you hug them. So in this exercise, you don't stop doing those things, but maybe you add to it. And you add to it by expressing love by delivering additional food to the food bank, or calling a friend and telling them the things that you love about them or spending time thinking about the qualities about yourself that you love and expressing self-love or self-compassion. The idea is to focus on building our strengths rather than focusing on our weaknesses. You use a new strength every day for one week. Studies have shown that people who have completed this exercise have shown a greater sense of well-being, happiness, and lower levels of depression for up to six months later. The character strengths that you most identify with today may not be the same ones that you identified the most with, say, a year ago, because they change and shift as we grow, as we mature, and as different things are happening in our life. To better understand which character strengths you most identify with, or to find out what we call your signature strengths, you can go to viacharacter.org. That's V-I-A character.org. 
You can learn more about the character strengths and take a quiz to find out which are your signature strengths. I decided to take this quiz and my signature strengths, the ones that are core to who I am and came naturally to me, currently include love, creativity, honesty, kindness, and humor. Research shows that people who apply character strengths can not just improve their life, but thrive by living a strength-based life. We can use our signature strengths to really give us a sense of mastery and to help us grow the lower strengths as well by pairing them together. The third exercise that I'd like to go over is called savoring. It's about deepening and prolonging positive experiences. As humans, we can have a negativity bias that focuses on the things that are broken that need to be fixed. And we don't pay as much attention to the positives. We just let the positives go. Savoring means that we are deliberately prolonging the positive experiences. And those positive experiences can be in the past by reminiscing about past positive experiences, by looking at old photos, telling remember when stories, or listening to music that brings up certain memories. We can savor the present moment by enjoying a sunset or the smell of moisture in the air or tasting something pleasurable like a really well-made meal or tasting some chocolate. We can also savor future events by anticipating positive experiences, upcoming vacations, plans with friends or with family. It's important to put as many details as possible into the event or the situation. It really helps solidify that idea of positivity and fun in your mind. My husband and I literally stop and smell the roses on every walk that we do right now. We spend time comparing the light pink to the white ones to the dark pink ones. And then we start talking about how lucky we are to be living in a place that has things like beautiful roses. The final exercise that I'd like to share with you today is called a gratitude visit. The idea is that you think of someone that you should thank, someone who's been helpful or thoughtful or kind. Write a letter to that person, including the details of how they helped you and the impact that it had. Arrange to meet them and read them the letter, then give it to them as a gift. Acknowledging other people's kindness encourages them to continue to be kind. It also reinforces it within ourselves so that we become more aware of the impact our kindness has on other people. This brings us to the end of another episode of Vicarious Resilience. If you're enjoying the podcast, go ahead and click subscribe so you never miss an episode. If you'd like to contact me about the podcast, or if you live in the White Rock, BC area and would like to book a counseling session, feel free to email me at danetrcc at gmail.com. Danette is D-A-N-N-E-T-T-E-R-C-C at gmail.com. You can also find me on the Psychology Today website under Find a Therapist or my website, danette.ca. All these links are found in the liner notes. I'm your host, Danette Honish. Thanks for listening.